Welcome to episode three of the Book Cougars, two middle-aged women on the hunt for a good read. I'm Emily. And I'm Chris. Hi, everybody. Hey. Thanks for tuning in and listening. It's a chilly day here in Connecticut, but we're hunkered down in my house with the wood stove burning and ready to talk about some books and literary adventures. And um, I'm, I'm feeling a, like a weight has been lifted off my shoulders this week because... Um, Actually, I don't think I've mentioned this on the podcast, but I'm in the process of getting my master's, and I finished a semester last week. Woo-hoo! Yeah, which always makes me feel like I can start living life again, yes. and especially reading. So that's very exciting for me. Yeah, and, and I, if you follow us on Twitter, you saw the stack of books that Emily checked out of the library in celebration of the end of the semester. That's right. That's right. Because I always feel like, you know, I I never can go a period of time where I don't read for pleasure because it makes me kind of crazy. Mm -hmm. But when you're in school, there's always that little nagging feeling like you should be doing something else all the time. So even when I do my pleasure reading, there's the guilt associated with it. Yeah. 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 I always used to recommend that to people who were starting graduate school, especially in English. Because you read so much that's required reading that sometimes people start having issues with reading, you know, and and most people who, especially who go for English, they love reading. That's why they're there. And so to always keep a book on the side, even if it's just, you know, a couple pages a night that you choose to read as your pleasure reading, I think it's so important. Yeah, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. Now, but last semester was fun for me because it was a foundations and grant making class. I'm, I guess I should say, yeah, I'm, what it, yeah, yeah, but I'm yeah, studying, yeah. I'm studying, um, I'm, I'm, I'm getting a master's in philanthropic studies, um, which basically is just the study of the nonprofit sector. And um, I started pursuing this master's, actually, the first time I started pursuing a master's, my kids, I had one in middle school and one in high school. And my goal was to graduate by the time my youngest graduated high school. Mm-hmm. And that quickly didn't happen. And then I realized that going back to grad school would be the straw that broke the camel's back at that point in my life. But then I think when my youngest was in high school, I decided to go back. And then my goal was to graduate by the time he graduated college, which he did (laughs) last May. And here I am still uh, one class at a time, you know, getting through my degree. But um but I'm really enjoying it, and this last semester was a grant-making and foundations class, which is kind of my sweet spot, because that's what I've done in my career. I've worked for different foundations, and the assignment this year, this semester, was to write, create our own foundation, and so I created one that was working on the issue of literacy, Very cool. which is close to my heart, and so... Um, I wanted to do a little follow-up to our last episode. In episode two, we talked about holiday gifts, and it occurred to me that one of the things I also think makes a nice gift for both yourself or for the people you love is to donate to your local library, Mm -hmm. which is something I always do no matter where I live because I'm a huge library user. Uh, You and I, we work for ourselves. We use it as our office. Exactly. (laughs) Yes, we do. A bunch of libraries. We we tend to make the circuit of libraries in the area. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, We've spent a lot of time. Actually, I did a lot of this big project at the Sterling Library on the Yale campus this semester with you. We we did many trips there. So I think it's nice to donate either money if you have it or donate your time to your local library. And libraries really help improve the literacy of the community because access to books is a great way to improve literacy. Great suggestion. Yeah, Yeah. I love the library. As a matter of fact, one little funny story. When I first moved here, I have an older brother who takes his role as my older brother very seriously. (laughs) 
he's very kind to me, and um, he even helped pack my moving van when I moved here. And so about two days after I got here, he, he did the big brother call and said, you know, hey, Em, have you got your electric and your gas and all that switched over into your name? And there was a huge pause. And I said, no, but I got my library card. <laughs> <laughs> big pause on his end. You know? But anyway, being, awesome. being a member of the local library is, you know, very important to me. And we're very lucky here because we have a, a really nice library system we with do. libraries that are kind of old buildings with mixes of modern and old and yeah really fun to spend time in so and I have I've been here three years now in December and I have to renew my library card oh I didn't realize you had to do that in my old library I didn't have to do that when I checked online on what was due when um I had a little red notice saying time to renew your library card so I have to do that oh how fun Cool. Exciting. Yeah. Milestones. Yes, milestones. Three years, Chris. That's yeah. a long time. Good for you. And let me say, uh, when Emily mentioned that we've gone to the library to work together, we both have our own businesses, and so we do our our own work. Um, but it's fun to have a, uh, an accountability buddy, so to say, or just somebody that you go to the library with to work on your things. And I've done that with the business stuff and with writing goals and stuff. And it's just so much fun to have that time in a library with somebody you know not talking but just both working cheers to that yeah Yeah, it's true and we just started doing that this fall Mm -hmm. and actually I noticed with this project for my my final project for this class I always have the same experience every semester which is I have I go through three things when I sit down to work on the final project the first thing is I say who could I pay to do this for me (laughs) the second is what would my grade be if I don't do the project? And then the third is, you know, shut up and sit down and work on this project. But I noticed that with going with you to the library, I never went through that this time. I just got down to business. It was like we were both showing up for work, you know. Absolutely. And it was really nice. Yeah, and it's good to set a time frame when you do that as well so both people know what to plan for if you're going for an hour or two or three, what you can work on. Yeah. That's true. And and you always did that. You would always text me and say, how long are we going to be there? You know, and then you knew how much work to bring. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And that helped me kind of think about, you know, how it, I have concentration problems. So it also helped me kind of devote like, okay, I told Chris, I'm going to be here for three hours. So sit down and, and do it. get busy, yeah. you know? So yeah, very good. So should we talk about what we just read? Yeah, let's talk about what we just read. Um, I just finished Wally Lamb's She's Come Undone, and uh, I enjoyed it very much. I I have to say I lost steam, though, probably about 100 pages before the end. And I won't talk about when in the book I lost the steam. I don't want to give away any spoilers, and it's hard to talk about that. Um, But I, I really enjoyed it. I took the book with me when we went to New York. We went to see a Broadway show last Saturday and it was Santa Con day. So there are all of these people dressed up as Santas and elves and herds of slutty reindeer. <laughs> Just wandering the city. Just wandering the city and on the uh, Metro North. And I think the purpose of that is like they, they dress up like that and they do bar crawls or something. Yeah. Bro- yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. It's a kind of like a, I don't know. Some people have had a frat boy drinking fest. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I, I did hear about at least one bar that sustained about $5,000 worth of damages. Oh, that's too bad. From the rowdiness. And, and someone also told me that Metro North was a non-alcohol zone that day. I think they just really wanted to try and keep people 
from getting drunk on the way down or sobering up faster on the way home. Not really sure. Sure. But anyway, on the way back, there was standing room only on the train. And I, Laura and Annette, our friend, I, we, they got seats. I was like, don't worry about me. I'm going to stand over here. So I stood and I was reading my book, kind of skimming the last hundred pages or so. And uh, yeah, should I talk about the two people standing next to me? Sure. Oh my God. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't, un- unbeknownst to Chris, I, I saw on Facebook, she was posting that she was on the Metro North and I was going the opposite direction. I was going into the city for an evening. And so I was experiencing some of these, what are they called? The SantaCon people. SantaCon people, yeah, too. It's yeah. much different than going with all the commuters during the week. It is a very different experience. So anyway, I was just standing there in the middle trying to read my book, and the, the, a young man and a woman were next to me, and they were, and I couldn't help but overhear their conversation. I don't think they knew each other very well, but they were going to a party together, and it was a rather pretentious conversation that they were having. They were one-upping each other on their travels. So somebody said, "Oh, well, I went to San Francisco recently." Oh, really? Well, I was in Australia. Ooh. Oh, wow. I was in Bali. You know, and it's just kind of, <laughs> they kept kind of upping it and upping it. And, it, and they were very friendly, but I was like, oh, my gosh. And at one point, Laura texted me and said, hey, how you doing? And I texted her back. I was like, I'm good. These people next to me are so pretentious. And then the woman standing right across from me must have seen what I was writing in the reflection of the window because <laughs> she started laughing and I looked up at her. And we had this great moment of connection where we both just started laughing and I hit send and Went back to my book. So anyway, reading on the train is always an adventure. It is. Yeah. It's. I mean, I actually love sitting next to someone. That, there's a quiet cars, which I've discovered. Oh, interesting. Except I don't think they're quiet cars on the weekend because I had a really hard time reading this last weekend when I was on the train also. Oh. I, you know, but, I saw that on the Connecticut line, but I, mm-hmm. I've never noticed it on the yeah. Metro North. I'll have to look at that. Yeah. And um, so when you go with commuters, a lot of times they whip out their computers and they're trying to get their work done on the way to or from work, you know. But mm-hmm. being on the weekend, I mean, there were people drinking on the train, which surprised me. I didn't think you were allowed to do that. And, you know, I would have liked to have thought that I was in the spirit because, you know, a lot of people do go into the city right now to see the tree and do look at the pretty windows and do a bunch of shopping. Mm-hmm. But I like to read on the train. And so I get a little frustrated if I can't, yeah. you know. Yeah. yeah, and sometimes I can tune people out. I don't know if it's certain people's, the tone of their voice, or mm-hmm. I don't know what it is, but some people I just have a harder time tuning out than yeah. others. Yeah, I had a hard time on my way in also. There was a group that was being very loud, yeah. so, yeah. Yeah, so anyway, Wally Lamb, uh, she's come undone. Well, I finished, and I think I started talking about this on our first episode, Aristotle and Dante Discover the Secrets of the Universe, by Benjamin Alir Sions. And um, again, this is one I listened to on audio. And the narrator is Lynn Manuel Miranda, Miranda. Is that right? From Hamilton fame. It is, um, it's a coming of age story and also a coming out story, which I didn't realize when I was talking about it on the last episode. And so it's about two young boys um, growing up into their teenage years and discovering that they're gay. And one of the things that I thought was really good about it is the parents are incredibly supportive. They even actually, one of the boys is very out and the other one doesn't realize that about himself and the parents kind of help him realize, which I thought was really, uh, really lovely and shows how we've made some progress, you know, with our literature, I think. Um, And there is unfortunately a scene where there's some taunting that happens because of their sexual identity, and that was hard to listen to. Um, that can almost be a prerequisite 
and gay book sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like you yeah. have to have the obligatory gay bashing scene yeah. of, of some level. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's always refreshing to find a book where that's not in there. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, I had to remind myself a couple times that it was a YA novel. Sometimes I get a little frustrated, you know, and then I remind myself, you're listening to something that was written for four, grades four through seven, mm-hmm. you know. And I did actually go to the library and look at the physical copy of the book, which I was pleased to see at the Guilford Library. They had like 10 copies of oh, it. That's great. And um, because it was epistolary also, is that when they have letters and yeah, things like epistolary. that? Epistolary. Yeah. And so I wanted to just kind of see how it looked in the book. Mm-hmm. And um, and I really would recommend it. I, and I thought it was a great listen. I also did out myself that I listened to my audiobooks on 1.25. And I decided for the last half an hour that I would put it back to regular speed just to see if I had been missing anything. And Mm -hmm. I determined that I hadn't. (laughs) And after 15 minutes, turned it back up to 1.25. So again, Aristotle and Dante discover the secrets of the universe. Right. Yeah. And I shouldn't say I'm not, I don't mean to like come down hard on books that have gay bashing or I think it's important because I think it is part of life. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And especially for a a YA book, Mm because I think books can help kids learn how to cope with situations like that and that they're not alone. Mm-hmm. I think that's such an important thing. True. And I think that was very much a theme of this book. Mm-hmm. You know, You're not alone. Yeah. It was a YA, YA novel, mm-hmm. you know, so I think there were a lot of themes just about, you know, I think they were trying to cover a lot of territory. I mm-hmm. think that's what I'm trying to say, yeah. in, you know, in a shorter book than we get in our large fiction novels, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. as adults. Yeah. I also read a nonfiction book, Recently, it was a review copy that I got from a publisher for my blog, Wild Moo Books. And it's called Dogs and Their People. And it's by the people who started uh, BarkBox. So it's by BarkPost, which is, I guess, their public publishing arm. And it's just a, it's a, it's a community-sourced book where they've taken a lot of the photos and, short, and, and stories uh, from people's Instagram accounts. Some of them who are already famous dogs and others who are just you know, people with their dogs. And so every page has wonderful pictures of dogs and stories about the dog. And uh, it's a little bit of a history to a very short history of BarkBox and how that came to be. It also has some really uh, fun little things that you could do for and or with your dog, which is neat. So I think it's going to be a, it's, it's a great holiday gift for a dog lover and or somebody who you know has a dog, but you may not know them that well. I think it's a safe gift to give to people like that, you know, coworkers or whatnot. So it's out already. It is out. Okay. It came out in October. Okay, great. Um, from Putnam's and Sons. Yeah, October 18th it came out. So it is out there right now. It's a hardcover. It's a really nice quality book. Great. And I did finish The Girl with the Lower Back Tattoo by Amy Schumer. Um, I really enjoyed it, actually. She's very irreverent, but I also felt like she she took her platform and used it with kind of a feminist manifesto Mm -hmm. about um, being in relationships with men and how she's learned to that how important it is to be treated well, which is a lesson that, you know, a lot of people have to learn and sometimes learn it the hard way, which Mm -hmm. she talks about. Um, she also talked a lot about what it's like to be a woman in Hollywood, um, partly just by the fact that you get asked that question all the time, whereas men don't get asked that question mm-hmm. all the time. Um, it, you know, as I said, it's irreverent. She has a chapter about her lower back tattoo, which she actually has. Does she have one? A tramp <laughs> yeah, stamp? Yeah, they call she them? has a tramp stamp. <laughs> a tramp stamp that went a little wrong, I might add. <laughs> so she talks about that. She has a chapter about her vagina. 
Um, she also, I think I talked about this already, talks about gun control, which is something that she's very passionate about. And in the back of the book, she even has a list of politicians currently in office that kind of calling them out because they've gotten funding from um, the gun industry mm-hmm. and or gun lobbyists or whatever the case might be. So I really enjoyed it. Um, I highly recommend it. It's not it's not memoirish, but I mean she does talk about um, her family, but it's not kind of a you know just purely setting out to talk about growing up and things like that. So um, I loved it. I'll have to check it out. You're the yeah. second person who's recommended it. Yeah, yeah. Cool. And I have I read another one. Are you have you done Are you done recording on the book? I am done recording okay. on what I've just okay. read. So please. The other one is Seventh Heaven by Alice Hoffman, which was Aww. my reread, oh, yeah. if you remember. Re-read. So my first time rereading that I can remember anyway. <laughs> and I didn't remember anything about the book. So I'm not sure if I can really call it a true reread um, for some of the things that you suggested about, you know, um, you know, kind of indulging yourself in words that you've really enjoyed in the past and, and reading them over again. But what I did um, think was interesting, the book is about Nora, who's a single mother, and she moves into the suburbs in, you know, a, a neighborhood that's all married couples with children, and she moves in with her two kids. And um, and what I thought was interesting, if I had read it before, which I'm fairly certain I did, because I always read Alice Hoffman books pretty much right when they come out. It was published in the 90s, and in the 90s, the, it was published in 1990 specifically. I was a married woman, pregnant, about to have my first baby. Wow. So I'm sure that I probably identified more with the married women in the book than reading it now in 2016, where I am a divorced mother of two. Yeah. <laughs> so I really identified with the character of Nora, and um, it... it was really um, a kind of classic Alice Hoffman, as with most writers, I think, their writing changes over time. And so I did enjoy going back and reading kind of her earlier, earlier writing. So again, Seventh Heaven, Alice Hoffman. Very cool. That's great. Thanks for sharing, too, your life situations. When reading that, I think that's it's very, it's fascinating to me. And when you do reread a book and you're in different life situations. Yeah. And then with the content of that book, it sounds like, very different Emily's read them. Yes, yeah. yes. It's interesting, and I've just done it again moving to Guilford. You know, it's interesting to move into a neighborhood and be a single woman. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's, you know, you there are certain couples who will accept you and invite you over for supper and, you know, befriend you, and then there are others that unfortunately perceive you as a threat. Yeah, you know, to, to their marriage, their, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. So, um so I, I, when I was reading the book, I, I definitely identified with her because there's a long period of time where nobody really befriends her, and um, but that's tricky. And she kind of, you can tell she doesn't really understand it because, of course, she just wants to be friends with right. people, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah. And, and aside, I've been very lucky here, and I have a lot of friends, so <laughs> that wasn't yeah. meant to be a, like, yeah. sob story oh, in any way. People not love you and want to be your friend. Oh, thanks, Chris. Thank you. So (laughs) nice. So nice. Are you ready to move on to our second segment? What are you currently reading, Emily? I am reading Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. Oh, yay. Yeah, which I did talk about as a hopeful upcoming read in episode one. It's actually been really interesting to read it as you and I are jumping into this venture that is a creative venture. Because to remind you, um, Big Magic is, 
a nonfiction book by Elizabeth Gilbert that's all about creativity. And she really addresses, I'm, I'm probably about halfway through, I've been gobbling it up, so I actually decided to slow down and move to some fiction because I want to take it a little slower. And I was writing quotes in my journal and things like that, so I'm really enjoying it. But the part that I've gotten through so far, she she really talks about the fact that you have to address your fear, mm-hmm. you know, and that any creative venture we take, there's going to be some fear associated with it. Right. Yeah. Know? Is she the one who says, like, make friends with your fear? Yes. Okay. Bring yeah. it to the table because yeah. you know it's going to be there. Mm-hmm. And it also really made me think about, and I don't know what, you know, your move here was like, but it made me think about when I was planning my move here. And um, when I would tell people, I mean, I left a lot of good friends behind and I moved here and I don't know anybody in Guilford, Connecticut. I didn't know. Of course, now I know a lot of people. But at the time, I didn't know anybody. I had never actually even been to Guilford. I had a list of things I was looking for in a new place to live in Guilford. Well, the shoreline area, I should say, really checked off everything, literally everything on my list. Mm -hmm. And so as I would tell people you know, my plan, their brows would just furrow and furrow, especially when I got to the part, they were like, well, you're moving there because you have family or you have a friend there, right? And I would say no. And then their brows would really furrow. Like, (laughs) I just don't understand. Like, have you checked your mental health lately? You know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, um, so I think reading this book has made me, you know, realize that it's, it's very similar. I mean, I never thought about this as a creative step by any stretch, but it's just being willing to, kind of take a take a leap of faith yeah you know I think it's a huge creative endeavor to move to a place where mm-hmm. you want to live and we uh knew we wanted to live somewhere along the eastern seaboard we didn't want to go south my wife Laura is from Virginia originally I'd lived in coastal Carolina before um and we wanted to explore New England we wanted to have the four seasons and everything and it took us a while. Uh, we came on several trips, just driving the coastline, seeing what towns we liked, and and just fell in love with Guilford. And we got the same thing from people as well. People saying, "Oh, what brought you here? Work, school, family?" Mm-hmm. It's like, no, none of the above. We yeah. just wanted to live, you know, near the ocean in New England, close to New York. And and people just can't comprehend that. Yeah. And then it's interesting too because um, I did work for a while at a, a local health food store. And one of the guys there, he's like, oh, you wanted to move here? Like, why here? And I was like, it's gorgeous here. It's so beautiful. And it's so diverse. You have the ocean, the marsh. You have the rolling hills further inland. It's a beautiful place. And he came back. And he's an outdoorsy guy, too. And he came back a couple weeks or months later and said to me, he's like, you know, you're right. He's like, I forgot. You know, growing up here, I he I don't know if he forgot. He's, he just never looked at it. Yeah. He's like, and you've helped me see this mm-hmm. place with new eyes. And he's like, it is beautiful. Yeah. It is really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So and I, it, yeah. yeah. And it has access to the city, which both of us are really utilizing. So, yeah. yeah. So okay. anyway, big magic, Elizabeth Gilbert, it has, it really has, I'm enjoying it. And it's made me really think about, um, you know, looking at creativity and all of its various parts. So Great. I'm glad you're enjoying it. Um, so I'm currently reading, I'm, I'm also reading one that I said I would, I mentioned that I wanted to read more in Sarah Wyman's Woman Crime Writers. I read the first book in there, which was Laura by Vera Caspery. I'm now reading The Horizontal Man by Helen Eustace, and I'm loving it. It was originally published in 1946. It actually won the best 
um, an, Edgar, an Edgar Award for Best First Novel in 1947. I'm uh, probably 80% through it at this point and just really enjoying it as well. Mm-hmm. It's, it's different from Laura, uh, but it, I don't know, books from the 40s that I've read, they just they have great dialogue and really vibrant women characters. Very good. Yeah, so looking okay. forward to yeah. finishing that. Well, I think the ne- the other book that I'm currently reading, I think I think I talked about that last week. Yeah, I talked about that. I finished my big project last week, and I was working at the Guilford Library. Um, and the Guilford Library is, is a bit of a social library, so there's only a certain section that I like to sit in when I'm doing my schoolwork because it's considered the quiet zone. They have a big sign up that it's the quiet zone. <laughs> yeah, and I was there today actually working. And there was a librarian helping somebody talking rather loudly in the stacks in that area. And the guy behind me shushed them. Yeah. Yeah. I've been shushed in that part <laughs> of the library. People take it very seriously. They do. Yes. Which is good because the rest of the library is very social and very loud, which is fine. I mean, it's a, it's a community gathering place. But the problem for me with that section of the library is with all the tables that are available there, you're in the fiction stacks. Yes. So for me, it's like an alcoholic (laughs) sitting in a liquor shop, like literally sitting surrounded by bottles. You know, I'm sitting there and I want to be getting my work done and I'm looking at all these titles of books that I could be reading instead of doing my schoolwork. Doesn't take much to want you to do something other than your schoolwork. I'm here to tell you, when you're in grad school, procrastination has a whole new level. Hey, I know a class that can help you with that. (laughs) I say that jokingly. My wife and I, our business is online self-development courses, and our first course was one on unlocking procrastination. Which I took. Yeah, so procrastination. Procrastination. Cleaning your closet seems so, like so much more fun than working on your grad school final project. But so there I am sitting at the library and I had to get up and use the restroom. And I had to walk by, darn it, the new section with all the new books. And sitting there was a cart with like literally 50 books with the new tag on it. And to me, it was like the heavens had opened yeah. and this music started playing like, Oh, you know, and I stopped and I got, I, I think 10, 15 books, you know, I came home. I we'll, we'll post it. Well, we posted it on Twitter. Yeah. We can put it in the show notes. Yeah. And put it in the show notes. And, um, and then once I finished my project, that to me is always the best. Like what book am I going to open now that, you know, this weight has been lifted. And I decided to go with something quite light because I just needed to get away from, you know, the, the heavy things I had been reading for school. And so I started to read and I'm almost done with it. The bookshop on the corner by Jenny Colgan. And she's a Scottish writer. She lives in Scotland and London. And it's about Nora And she's a librarian who has lost her job because the library closed that she was working for in England. And so she buys a van slash bus, moves to Scotland, and she she starts filling the bus with books from this library that is closed and creates a bookstore. Very cool. And she also moves to a new town in Scotland and, um, you know, creates a new life for herself in this small town. That sounds delightful. Yeah, it's really good. And there's, of course, a little love story, which I always enjoy. 
dare to dream. <laughs> um, so it's the perfect light read after the end of my semester. Very good. I shouldn't say it's totally delightful. I mean, her library did close. And I do know that they've had a hell of a time with libraries in England with them closing and finding yeah. to keep them open. Yeah. And when she moves to Scotland, I mean, every all of the people in her little village are so thrilled. And she drives around and she parks at farmer's markets and things like that because they don't have access to books. Mm -hmm. There's no bookstore and there are no libraries. So, yeah, that part. And it's also the one thing that I couldn't quite figure out is she she lists a lot of books. You know, like if she, as she recommends for people, and I was like, are these real books? You know, and I start, I went on Goodreads and Amazon, and I didn't see them, and so okay. I thought that was an interesting. You know, she could have chosen as the the author could have chosen to list real books as right. her suggestions, but mm-hmm. it seems like she just kind of was making things up. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, full artistic license. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so that's what we've been reading or currently reading. Um, Next up, we're going to talk about biblio adventures, literary adventures we've been on. And we have, we each have our own solo biblio adventure, and then we have a joint jaunt to talk about. We do, yeah. So what do you want to do first, our joint jaunt or our individual ones? Um, Should we go individual? Sure. Okay. Absolutely. All right. So I'll start. I win. I've been busy. I feel like I've had a busy couple of weeks. So the first is actually a movie that I went to called Lion, and it's starring Bev, Dev Patel, and it's based on the memoir A Long Way Home by Saru Brierly, and it's a tearjerker. I'm here to tell you. Bring some some tissues if you go to see it. And it's based on his um, life story, which is that he was a very um, poor, just living in abject poverty, little boy in um, a small rural town in India. Um, And he and his brother and his mother make money by collecting rocks. Mm. And that's just to give you an idea of how destitute they are. And I believe he's about four, four, maybe five, but I think four and he and his brother go out at night to do some sort of a job, which they don't tell you what the job is. But long story short, the little boy, his older brother, leaves him to take a nap at a train station. And the little boy wakes up and can't find his brother and gets on a train. Oh boy. And ends up in Calcutta, which is a very busy, teeming city in India. He ends up not being able to find his family ever, well, I shouldn't say ever again, no spoilers, but he ends up never, not, ends up being adopted by a family in Tasmania. Oh, and Tasmania in from Tasmania. India, that's yeah, a fascinating yeah. jump. One of the things that I really enjoyed about the movie was the, it's visually stunning. I mean, the, the, the sights of Tasmania and India are just really beautiful. Mm-hmm. And um, Dev Patel really transformed his body for this film. If, if you're familiar with his work, he was in Slumdog Millionaire and the Marigold Hotel mm-hmm. movies. And yeah, I love those movies. Yeah, really yeah. skinny. He put on a lot of weight for this movie. He actually looks really handsome. And um, and at the end of the movie, they show the real boy and his family. And um, so you can kind of see why he did it to embody the character because he was just a bigger kid and I think also they did it he ends up going back to India and I think part of why they did that is because to show the difference between someone who was raised then with money and good food and all of that that he was able to grow 
you know, because he was adopted when he still had time to grow into, a, you know, big, healthy, healthy boy, yeah. yeah, or young man, I should say. So, so it's really about his adventures um, in being lost. Part of the movie deals with that, and then also um, growing up in Tasmania, and then going on a search for what his life, what, the life that he had left behind. Mm-hmm. So, Lion, Lion, the movie, oh. I highly recommend yeah, it. Good. I saw a movie too recently. I saw Magical Beasts. Oh yeah, the new you know Harry Potter spinoff. So yeah, yeah good movie. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, should I talk about another one, or do you want to? Oh no, go, go ahead. To... Okay, go ahead. Okay, yeah. I also went into the city the same day you did. You were returning as I was going in because I had um, I'd spent the night um, with my aunt, and on Sunday we went to see Notes from the Field, which is a an off Broadway play, one woman show star- starring Anna Devere Smith. <laughs> For those of you um, who maybe were Nurse Jackie fans, she played the hospital administrator in that show. Very funny, um, great actress. Very um, her face, facial expressions. She's she, I, I just love watching her body and her mannerisms. This was not an uplifting show. It's um, about the criminal justice system, mass incarceration, and the education education system in our country. She embodies 19 different characters. Wow. Yeah, and she does an amazing job. I read that she had a dialect coach, and it really shows because mm-hmm. her speech patterns for each of the characters was really different and really believable. And um, so she, she, this is, she's got a project called the Pipeline Project, and um, it's seemingly the, what the pro- Pipeline Project is about is the, the direct route that it seems that we have between schools and jail for mm-hmm. underprivileged kids. So a lot of the characters she embodies are, are about that. Um, I really enjoyed it. There was also something really interesting that happened as I was there. Um, this was a very small, intimate theater, and I had an aisle seat, and I was there with my aunt, and um, I turned my head about five minutes before the performance starts, and in walks Oprah Winfrey. Oh wow! <laughs> and her best friend Gail. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it was a really amazing. Like, I mean, I one of the things I of course always love about going to the city is you have some sort of you know movie star sighting mm-hmm. once a year if you're lucky. You know, so this one was pretty amazing. And in she walks. She's beautiful, and sits down about ten seats from me. And um, so all through the show, you know, I turned my head, and there's Oprah Winfrey. You know. So that was pretty so do you amazing. think she enjoyed the show? She did. I mean, and she was, it was a very moving show. I mean, I, it definitely, um, I'm so glad I watched it. I feel like I learned a lot. It also, though, somehow she, she left you feeling a little bit hopeful. Mm-hmm. You know, there's definitely reason to not feel hopeful, but she did leave me feeling hopeful. Yeah. 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 And, um, Watch, seeing Oprah walk in, walk in made me re- reminded me of listening. There's the New York Public Library has a fantastic podcast. If you've never listened, I highly recommend that you go out and listen to it. And Alan Cumming, the actor, Broadway performer, and now author, has been on the podcast twice. And the first book that he published was Not My Father's Son, which is an excellent memoir that he wrote. And I actually listened to the audio, which he narrates with his lovely Scottish brogue. I enjoyed every minute of it, and it's a very interesting story. And then he has a new book out called You Gotta Get Bigger Dreams, My Life and Stories and Pictures. It's a little bit of a coffee table book, but also it consists of 45 novellas. 
that attach to different pictures that he's taken throughout, really throughout his career. And he's not a professional photographer by any stretch. And some of the pictures are kind of funny. And I actually listened to this podcast and it was interesting to listen because they're showing the pictures on a big screen and he's um, discussing the pictures, which is interesting. And I, I wondered at the time, like, oh, would this be a little bit more interesting to me if I were there? Because they do a live um, conversation, but then they tape it for the podcast. So there's mm-hmm. audience members there that ask questions and everything. And actually, when you and I went to the Yale bookstore, I picked up the book to look at it okay. to see the pictures he had talked about, mm-hmm. you know. But I just read that he actually has an audiobook of this one as well. So he sure. must you know, read the novellas and then discuss what the picture looks like. Yeah. So he tells this whole story of this picture. I think it's, I don't remember his friend's name, but he takes his friend who is not in the industry in any way, just a normal person like you and me. (laughs) And they go to, I think it's an award show or a fundraiser or something. And his friend is completely enamored with Oprah and Oprah's going to be at this award show. (laughs) And so they, conspire to somehow get a picture of Eric or whatever this friend's name is with Oprah, you know, but it's not like Oprah wants to have her picture taken with this guy. So it's like a picture of him and, and he made it. So his friend is blurry and Oprah's, you know, like (laughs) fully engaged in it, but it's like Oprah's shoulder or something. It's not, you know, like him posing with Oprah. So I had my moment there, of you know, saying to my aunt, like, can you get a picture of me with Oprah's ponytail or something, you know? So it was really funny. And his book, this book of his, You Got to Get Bigger Dreams, is is funny and um, interesting. And he has all sorts of wild pictures in it. And I actually think the title, If Memory Serves, comes from him telling Oprah this story and her saying, your friend's got to get bigger dreams. Like, cause I guess his goal in life was to get a picture of him and Oprah. You okay. Know? So, yeah. Interesting. That's so funny. anyway, that's my trip to see notes from the field, which, um, I highly recommend, but unfortunately I think this Sunday is its final showing the 18th is okay. its final showing. But if it tours to a city where you live, I highly recommend that you guys go out and see it. It's really a powerful play. Excellent. Well, yeah, the, we were going into New York, that day to see a Broadway play. Our friend Annette was in from Chicago and we wanted to take her to see something rotten, which is our favorite Broadway play right now. Um, and I am, it was our fourth time seeing it. That's commitment. Totally, yes, <laughs> we totally love the show. We saw it for the first time last summer. Um, and we've, so we saw it three times with the, something's rotten. I should probably talk a little bit about it. It's yeah. a play about Nick and Nigel bottom two struggling playwright brothers in Renaissance England. They're trying to write a play. Well, they are writing plays, but they haven't had a hit yet because Shakespeare is the big thing in town. Okay. So it's a bit of a conflict between the bottom brothers. Uh, Nick can't stand Shakespeare. There's actually a song called God, I hate Shakespeare. (laughs) And Nigel, the younger brother loves Shakespeare and wants to emulate Shakespeare and everything. So it's the tension between uh, them trying to write a a new hit, a new play and Shakespeare being the, the, the big hit in town, the it guy, the it guy, totally. And it's a great show for book lovers, English majors, uh, Shakespeare is a character in it, and he's uh, the role was originated by Christian Borle, who I adore. And one of the reasons we've seen the show so many times was because we're kind of Christian Borle groupies at this point. 
And but this last time we saw it, um, Christian Borel has left the show mm. because he's he's moved on to some other things. He was in the Gilmore Girls in that odd little uh, vignette. Oh right, the um, new new Gilmore Girls that just yeah came the out. new Gilmore yeah. Girls yeah, yeah. season mm-hmm. seasons in the life of I think it was called. I think so yeah yeah so um, he's in the odd little vignette the history of Stars Hollow type thing and he's also going to be starring in the Broadway musical of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory which Ooh, is starting uh, nice. comes out next year anyway so the new Shakespeare is played by Adam Pascal who is famous from Rent. He just didn't embody, embody the role mm-hmm. like Christian Borle did. Like I, you know, he was fine, but I missed the way Christian Borle did. He he played the role with such subtlety and humor because uh, the character of Shakespeare in this show is he's a guy who loves being famous, but putting in the work to be famous. It's hard. It's hard to be a writer. You're yeah. sitting alone in a room. Yeah. Um, it's hard to be the bard is one of his songs but he's presented as such a rock star and somebody who is insecure yet egotistical and i i really love the show love Mm -hmm. him and so yeah that's what we were going in to see that day great show it's it's closing on broadway january 1st but it is going on tour and it will be in chicago this summer so all you chicago folks if you're listening go see something's rotten it's a great show Nice. Fun. We both had a fun weekend in New York. Yes, we did. Without each other. Imagine that. I know. Imagine that. (laughs) But then we had a chance this week to get together and go see Wally Wally Lamb. Connecticut's uh, first son. Yes, that's right. And it was a really fun event. It was. It was was, great. He surprised me because he's funny. He's funny. He's so charming. He's adorable. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And he told us, um, he he began uh, the talk by regaling us with a story of his last book tour. I think he said it was stop number 33 of 37. <laughs> Something, yeah, in, in 2013. In 2013 for yeah. his book, We Are Water, yeah. I think is what it, the title of it was, where he was in Chicago, a suburb of Chicago at a Costco. Yeah, during a snowstorm or something. Right. Yeah. And the story. Yeah, so he we won't go into the details of it, but it he was hilarious and um, you know, it was one of those classic author events that, you know, you, I've heard other authors talk about where, you know, even though he's, you know, he's a well-known published author now, but he arrives at the Costco and nobody knows who he is right. and, you know, including the customers and the people who work at the store. So, so it was a fun <laughs> evening. Yeah. And it was pretty crowded. I tried to do a little estimation. I'm pretty bad with numbers, but I would say there were over a hundred people there. Uh, yeah, I would think so. Yeah. yeah. It was at the, uh, at a local hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, it was a great turnout. Very yeah. Interesting. Yeah. He was funny. And he also told us that um, his book, his second book, I Know This Much Is True, is in the po- in the process of being made into, I think he said like an HBO series. I'm not sure who's doing it. But yeah. Some sort of a some series. Some type of miniseries. I don't yeah. know if he said it through. Yeah. And for those of you who've read it, it's there's um twins are, are the featured characters and the actor Mark Ruffalo will be playing them, which yes. made me pretty happy because I happen to be a Mark Ruffalo fan. So Well, most most of the people in the audience, there were some men, there were some younger people, but the vast majority were middle aged women. Mm-hmm. And when he said Mark Ruffalo, there was buzz going yes. throughout the audience for including me for several minutes. <laughs> yeah. Well uh while Wally was talking, people were buzzing about Mark Ruffalo. Yeah. 
And there was a really cute moment once he opened it up to audience questions because there was a little boy in the audience. I want to say he was eight. My, yeah, little and, guy. And um, he asked Wally Lamb if writing is hard. <laughs> <laughs> and then he informed um, Wally Lamb that he was a budding author. Yes. And that he was writing. A, and so Wally Lamb asked him, you know, what are you writing about? And he said, I'm writing about a boy wizard. Yes. <laughs> and we couldn't hear him if he said with parents or without parents or yeah. with Magical parents, we weren't yeah. sure, but, you know, yeah. which, you know, is kind of a familiar theme. Um, and it, he handled it very well and told him, you know, I think that you'll be a great success. And, you know. Yeah. And Wally said, well, let me know, you know, when it comes out. And the boy said, well, I'm getting my book signed. So I'll see you in the line, I think is right. Yeah, it was really cute. It was <laughs> a very cute. cute, sweet moment. And kudos to that parent. You know, I couldn't see who he was with, but for bringing him to an author yeah. event. You know, I think that's a lovely idea. I don't think I went to my first author event till I was, you know, 30. So great to bring kids to book signings. Yes. Very nice. Very nice. And, um, I had one other literary jaunt, if I could talk about that, where I bought, I'll take you there. Wally Lamb's book. Um, this happened a few weeks ago. I went to Colorado for Thanksgiving to see both my kids and there's a bookstore there that I've been dying to go to. That's called book bar. And it's a small bookstore in a very cool neighborhood called Berkeley, which is off of Tennyson for any of you who live in the Denver area. And um, it was it happened to be Small Business Saturday the day I went. So there were a couple authors there to talk to people and help them show them books. But it's a beautiful little bookstore in an old um, house, which I kind of have an affinity for stores and restaurants and old houses, yeah, converted houses. Fun. Yeah. yeah. And there's a lovely bar where they serve, you know, wine and beer, and they have cocktails named after various authors, and I think their sandwiches are named after famous books, and it had a really nice vibe. They do a lot of social events there every day, and above the bookstore, they have a place called Book Bed, which is an Airbnb rental, so for any of you looking for a little literary adventure, I think it'd be a really fun place to go. The whole neighborhood was really a buzz that day because it was Small Business Saturday. There were a lot of really cool stores. Again, it's called Book Bar, and you can visit their website at www.bookbardenver.com. All right, so our next segment is Upcoming Jaunts. I have some exciting ones planned. How many do you have planned? I have just a few. I have um, one is another movie. My favorite movie maker, Pedro Maldivar, is coming out with a movie. I think it, the release date is um, December 21st. It's called Julieta, and it's loosely based on Alice Monroe stories, oh. which kind of fascinates me because I don't know how you loosely base a movie on some short stories. But um, so I'm anxious to see it. I will be there as soon as it comes anywhere to a local theater near cool. us. And then um, an R.J. Julia event on January 8th, 2017. Wow, already booking for 2017. Yes. Nice. Yes, and um, it's Will Schwab. I don't know how you pronounce his name. He He's the guy that had the book, The End of Your Life Book Club, which was a really touching book about books that he shared with his mom as she was um, failing from her fight with cancer. And um, they shared um time together by reading books and talking about them. And he has a new book that's coming out that's called Books for Living. So kind of the opposite mm-hmm. of, um, I mean, I think it's still an exploration of books, but it's more about 
living instead of dying. And so it's um, books that shape our lives. And that's January 8th. It's a two o'clock event at RJ Julia, which is a Sunday, I think. And then this is a maybe for me. Roxane Gay, who I've talked about previously on the podcast, is coming to the 92nd Street Y, um, which is a great Y in uh, New York where they have endless, endless events. Yeah, um, big events. Yeah, yeah big yeah, events. Big, big names. And she's going to be there on January 12th. She has two new books coming out. One is a short story collection called Difficult Women, and the other is a memoir. It's called Hunger. And it's a memoir of my body. So I love her, but I actually need to be in the city on the 14th. So I can't decide if I'll go to it yeah. just for the day or mm-hmm. go and maybe try to stay a few days. So I'd go with you to see her. Okay. Yeah. If okay. I can, I'll have to look at my calendar, but I would love to see her. Oh, she's yeah. great. Okay, good. Yeah, we could just go in for the day. We could go to the church. We could find the quiet car. Well, no, yeah. it's a weekend. We won't get a quiet car, but. No, it's not. It's a Thursday. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, then we can yeah. find a quiet car and read on our way yeah. to New York City. <laughs> or maybe we could go work at the library and then go. That would be fun. That would be yeah. fun. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. It's yeah. a date. Sounds I would good. love to. What about you? I have, um, I'm going to be going on, um, what is it? January 27th, I think is the next thing I have planned. I'm going to the city for the day with my friend Jennifer and we're going to go to the Morgan library is one mm. of the things we have planned to see the, there's a Martin Luther exhibit and also an Emily Bronte exhibit. So we're going to go see those and we're just going to hang out in the city and do bookish stuff. So, um, and the Morgan library is a beautiful historic library that you can get a tours of. Um, never heard of it. Yeah. The Morgan, um, Morgan was, you know, one of the wealthiest men in New York turn of the century. And he built this library as his personal to, to house his personal collection. So you can see they have a modern structure built around his historic library. So they have the exhibits in the modern area. And then you walk into this, the historic library to the right is his office, which is a wonderful office. He was a banker, I think in banking or finance or something. And when he retired from that, this was his sanctuary to go and kind of play with what he loved there's a private vault in that office. And then when you walk in and you go to the left, that's the library. And it's a, it's a gorgeous library. They have some really rare books there and rare manuscripts. So did they add to his personal collection or is it still just his personal? That's a good question. I don't know if they're still adding. Okay. I don't know. Uh, but I mean, it's amazing. Some of the things he has in there, manuscripts from Beethoven and Mozart with their handwriting scribbles on it. Oh, wow. um, and just, he was a very interesting collector because there's a, a wonderful diversity of things. I, I might be wrong, but I think he has a death mask of George Washington. It's either George Washington or Ben Franklin. I don't remember. I think it's Washington because I'm trying to visualize it. I'm pretty sure it's Washington. So well, you'll have to report back after you go and yeah. fill us in. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a beautiful place. I went last year for the first time with my mom when she was in for a visit. Lovely. So, yeah, I'll be doing that. I don't have any author events coming up that I can think of. Well, you do now. Roxanne Gay. Roxanne I'm, buying, Gay. I'm yeah. buying tickets as soon as we're Woo-hoo! done recording. All right. <laughs> All right, so... What about upcoming reads? Upcoming reads. I have... Um, well, I mentioned, you know, some upcoming reads I want to finish by the end of the year. Yes. And I, I am, like, I am working... Uh, working. It's not work. I am reading the... You're the making horizontal your way man, through them. Making through my way <laughs> through the woman crime writers. Um, but I did purchase two new books recently that are upcoming reads for sure. Um, the first is The Trap by Melanie... I think it's Rob. R-A-A-B-E. 
She's a German writer. The translator is Emma Jean Taylor. This book came out in Germany in 2015. It just came out in English in 2016. And I actually won a copy of it through the German book office, which if you're on Facebook, I think their address is just GBO New York. They do really wonderful book giveaways on their German authors um, or books in German that have been translated to English. And I want a copy, but it came in one of those dreaded plastic bags from the post office saying, we're sorry, but we lost your item. And they, you know, I had like a piece of the original mailer that they sent it out in. Um, So I actually bought a copy of the book because I do want to read it. It's a mystery thriller. It's about a a woman writer who is a shut-in. She's a famous Mm. writer, but she's a shut-in. And she's been setting a trap for who she thinks murdered her younger sister years ago. And I think it's one of those psychological thrillers where you don't really know what's going on and who's who. Wow. So I'm looking forward to reading that. And then the other book that I purchased was Soul Survivors, Stories of Wounded Women Warriors and the Battles They Fight Long After They've Left the War Zone. This is by Kirsten Homestead. And if her name is familiar, uh, you might know her from her previous books. She wrote Band of Sisters and then The Girls Come Marching Home. And Band of Sisters was about American women warriors at war in Iraq. And then the second book, The Girls Come Marching Home, was about those Iraq woman war veterans coming home and what they faced yeah. coming home. And I, I, you know, Band of Sisters is a book that's kind of been on my radar, but um, I'm a member of the Woman Marine Association, and we just had a big meeting, a uh, celebration, and Kirsten Homestead was our guest speaker. Oh, wow. And she talked about her books and uh, Soul Survivors, mainly her book that just came out this year. So I'm looking forward to reading that. Great. That sounds great. Those are all very interesting mixes, you know, some mystery, some nonfiction. So I have three upcoming reads. Um, Despite the fact that I have, you know, 15 books from the library (laughs) sitting on my coffee table, I'm being realistic. They look lovely. Yes, that's right. Um, I'm definitely wanting this weekend to start Ann Patchett's new book, Commonwealth. I was thrilled to find a copy of that because I've been on request for months for that one. And then I'm going to start a dual read and audio. So I've got the hardcover book and the audio of Colson Whitehead's The Underground Railroad, which I know... You started and DNF'd it, so I'll be interesting to talk with you about it after I get a chance to start it. And then I also picked up, and I'm not usually a graphic novel reader, but I picked up this book called Patience by Daniel Klaus. I think that's how you pronounce his name. And I have no idea what it's about, but it has a very colorful cover that caught my attention. So um, if I get to it, you'll get to hear what it's about. (laughs) And if not, you'll just have to look it up for yourself. So hopefully I'll get to those during, the um, for me, what are going to be pretty quiet holidays. So I'm looking forward to some good reading. Wonderful. Yeah, I look forward to hearing what you think about the Underground Railroad. And I've had thoughts about picking it up again. I made it to like around page 100 or so. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, you know, I I think about picking it up again. We'll see. Yeah. You know, being that it's the National Book Award winner and stuff like that. I know. You know, award winners, (laughs) award winners. I don't know. Sometimes award winners. And sometimes I find I'm disappointed in award winners. Yeah, me too. For sure. Yeah. 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 Well, we'll see. Sorry, well, Colson Whitehead. I don't mean to to trash your book. Weren't you going to go see him? I am going to go see him, go but see I'm going to leave that as a cliffhanger because that's cliffhanger. not coming up for a couple months. Okay. So, well, maybe yeah. we'll just edit that part. Yeah. <laughs>
Well, happy reading, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you. Yes. And if you have any comments or suggestions for us, please email us at bookcougars at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at bookcougars and Facebook at bookcougars. We'd love to hear from you. And if you're listening to us on iTunes, please leave a review. And you can also go to our website, bookcougars.com. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Bye. Wow!